God be merciful to us sinners. Amen. Writing a thousand years ago, the Archbishop of Canterbury wrote, you have not considered the weightiness of sin. As we heard in Psalm 65, our sins are stronger than we are. Other translations put it as, my deeds of mischief are too much for me, and we are overwhelmed with iniquity. Sin is one of those words that can conjure up images of a wrathful God, inducing fear, shame, and guilt. And though we do say a confession each week in worship and pray daily, forgive us our trespasses, that does not mean that we have considered fully the weight of sin. Now, certainly some traditions overly focus on sin, which is not at all what I am advocating for. But as someone who swings kettlebells six days a week, I can tell you we get into a lot of trouble when we don't know how heavy the weight that we are working with is. And there are at least a couple of reasons why we no longer consider the weight of sin. For one, we live in a demystified world. Sin is just not a category that we are trained to use. GDP, inflation rates, calories, positive test rates, polling numbers, touchdowns. These are the categories of our modern world. Ideas like sin and atonement are no longer part of our vernacular. When the church talks about sin, we simply don't have that bucket to put those kinds of ideas into. Another reason we do not consider the weight of sin is that some Christian traditions use that weight to bludgeon people. Perhaps you have been struck by that weapon before. When sin is painted as the most important issue in faith, and it is not the most important issue in faith, then those who control the mechanisms of forgiveness have a lot of power. This is what the Reformation was all about. And ironically, the denominations today that would identify themselves most closely with the ideas of the Reformation are the same ones who perpetuate the theologies that led to it. Because we have seen the damage that an unhealthy focus on sin can do, we shy away from it. Perhaps the deepest reason, though, we avoid talking about sin is that we have all been trained to be on top of our game, to be independent, fully in control of our lives. But sin is an affront to that idol of self-sufficiency. There's a story that one day Winnie the Pooh was in Rabbit's home. And as bears often do when they see a pot of honey, Pooh ate all of it. When it became time for Pooh to go home for the evening, though, he started to grumble. Rabbit asks, what's the matter, Pooh? To which Pooh replies, the trouble is, Rabbit, your doorway is too small. <laughs> Rabbit responds, the trouble is, Pooh, you've eaten too much. Considering the weight of sin means considering the things about ourselves that we do not want to be true. As one theologian has put it, the world and the church that has become like the world will try to kill the messenger when it comes to sin, just like it did to Jesus. 
Because first, the message of sin is indiscriminately inclusive. All have sinned. And second, it is narrowly exclusive. Only Christ can solve the problem. But just because we don't like the idea of sin does not impact its reality. Just as those who believe that the earth is 6,000 years old has no bearing on the actual age of the earth. Now, I realize I've been throwing that word sin around a lot, and I haven't defined it. As we know from the letter to the Hebrews, sin clings closely at hand. Sin is not less than our wrongs or our mistakes, but it's so much more than that. That is the weightiness of sin. Sin is something that we are captive to, sort of like gravity. It pulls us down, and only Jesus can give us the needed escape velocity to break its hold. Sin is not something that any of us can overcome by just trying harder. Sin sin is a way of describing the brokenness of our world. War, greed, selfishness, and racism are all particular instances of sin. Sin is when we are closed off and dead to the transforming and reconciling love of God. Sin, as our confession teaches us, can be about things done or left undone. Sin can be things related to our thoughts, our words, or our deeds. Sins can be the things that we do, as well as the systems that we are caught up in and benefit from. And because sin encompasses so much, that's what gives it its weight. It has an enormous pull on us. However, sin does not erase the goodness or the love out of which we were made. Sin is not the first thing that God sees when looking at us, nor is it the last. Sin does not erase the image of God that humanity is created in, but sin distorts that image. Sin is a crack in the mirror, a smudge on the glass, and the inability to name sin would be to accept those distortions as normal. To downplay sin is about as safe as downplaying the dangers of nuclear waste. Now what a healthy respect for the weight of sin leads to is what one author calls in a recently published book, a low anthropology. Now anthropology in this sense, it's not about what an anthropologist does in studying cultures. Anthropology is just a short way of saying what we think of humanity. So a low anthropology is one that, well, doesn't think too much. And this is not about being self-deprecating or just thinking that the glass is always half empty. It's paying attention to scripture. In Genesis, we are told that humanity is made from the dirt of the earth. And that's not a curse, it's a blessing to be formed from the good earth that God has made. But the ground is low. And thinking of ourselves properly as sinners is quite liberating because a low anthropology means that we should not expect perfection out of ourselves or anyone else. It helps us to be free from the tyranny of expectation. Author and sociologist Brene Brown has said that vulnerability is the birthplace of love. Well, only when we are honest about sin can we fully receive the love of God. Because if we pretend that we have deserved love by our actions, 
then we will constantly be afraid that we might lose that love or that we never really deserved it in the first place and always feel like a fraud. Instead, God's love is a gift best described as grace, the surprising and unearned love of God that can never be lost because it was never earned. Now, in this book, there are three aspects to a low anthropology that can be helpful in understanding this weight of sin. And the first is a recognition that we are limited creatures. None of us knows everything. None of us does everything. None of us are immortal. One theologian has remarked that sin is the only independently verifiable Christian doctrine because any honest look at this world will make it quite clear that things are broken. And this brokenness is called sin. But if we reject our limited nature, then we have to carry that crushing burden of always getting it right. Something that none of us can do. A low anthropology is also about doubleness, which is best described by St. Paul in Romans 7. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. In other words, for the most part, we all know the sorts of things that we should be doing. The problem is not that we don't know that we should be eating more vegetables and reading scripture more often and volunteering in the community instead of scrolling on our phones. The issue is that we just don't want to do these things, even if we know that we should. As this week's collect prays, we need God's help to love what has been commanded. Because we are all sheep in the fold of the Good Shepherd. But that doesn't mean that we all want to follow the Good Shepherd. We often prefer to go our own way. And so it's instead of beating ourselves up and others for being hypocrites, we can recognize that doubleness is a problem we all deal with. One novelist has said the hardest thing for anyone to accept is that other people are as real as you are. It's so easy to spot the shortcomings in others while always giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt. But a low anthropology helps us to know that we all struggle with doubled and competing motivations. A low anthropology also names and therefore helps us to confront our self-centeredness. Back in the days of typewriters, a typewriter repairman reported the key that most often needs to be replaced is the I key. Not because I is used more often than any other letter, but because it tends to be struck with more force than any other letter. Now, it's simply a linguistic accident, but the center of the word sin is I. So there we have it. We are made for one another, made for beloved community, but sin drives us inward and corrupts our view of the image of God found in others. So why do we talk about sin? Why name low anthropology? It's a beautiful day. Why such a cheery sermon? Well, as Jesus said, the truth shall make us free. If we cannot admit that we are sick, we probably will not go see the physician and will not take the medicine offered to us. 
Psalm 65 says that our sins are stronger than we are, yes. But it also says that God will blot out those sins. C.S. Lewis has said that fallen humans are not imperfect creatures who need just a little bit of improving. We are rebels who must lay down our arms. If we think of sin as just a little problem, something that we can overcome each morning with just a couple of minutes of mindfulness, then we will continue fighting for the side opposed to the love of God. Admitting that we are captive to sin creates the space in our hearts, our imaginations, our actions for God to do something new. But denying sin closes us off to God's amazing grace. It is as Jesus says, only those who are sick are in need of a physician. The reason why considering the weight of sin is such a good thing to do is that it allows us to consider the amazing and beautiful grace of God in reconciling all things. Another Psalm, the 103rd, puts it as, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so is God's mercy upon those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. Episcopal priest and author Barbara Brown Taylor wrote, Sin is our only hope, because the recognition that something is wrong is the first step in setting things right. There is no repair if brokenness is not acknowledged, no transformation in a world that accepts wickedness as inevitable. And if we have a low anthropology, it is always met by a high Christology. That is a high view of what Jesus has done for us. But if we have a high anthropology, a high view of ourselves, then there's less room for Christ. We heard the prophet Joel speak of God's spirit being poured out on all flesh. But if we insist, no, thank you very much, I have a good handle on my life, then why do we need any outside help? And where we really see this contrast between a high and a low anthropology is in the parable told in Luke. The repugnant tax collector asks God for mercy, and we are told he receives it. Now, a high anthropology version of this parable would be different. It would list all the things that the tax collector does first to earn his forgiveness. Perhaps he would promise to do all those things that the Pharisee boasted of. Maybe Luke would have recorded a description of how this tax collector changed his ways and found a new line of work. But we don't have any of that because the gospel is one of low anthropology with a high Christology. It is a gospel that takes seriously the weight of sin and the glorious reconciliation of God. The tax collector tells the truth. He is a sinner in need of God's mercy. And God's mercy is what is given by a gracious and loving God. Now, was the Pharisee also justified? Probably so, because God's grace is for everyone. But he probably wasn't able to enjoy that salvation because he was blind to God's amazing grace by his own sufficiency. The church is a place to be honest, a confessional where we name the reality of sin. In recognizing our limits, our inconsistencies, our egotism, 
we find the depths of God's love that does not depend on our worthiness, our deservingness, or our hard work. And just imagine how much sweeter life could be if instead of trying to fight for something that we've already been given, we could just enjoy what we already have. Jesus is the one to whom we can come to carry that heavy burden of sin and receive rest from trying to get it right, trying to be perfect, trying to justify ourselves. Because Jesus has already done all of that for us. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs>